You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Good morning. Do I look like a broken man? No, you're smiling, you look pretty fit, you got some really good lighting shining upon you. Mm. You You look like a very put together man. Why do you ask? I may be put together, but I'm a broken man, Kirk. I had my worst workout of my build. Of since, what would that have been? November? October? Wow. Somewhere in there. Whenever this build started, I had my worst, most disappointing workout this weekend. What happened? I don't know. I mean, I know. it was Nothing really, and then everything all at once. Callie and I were supposed to get together last week. Lisa and I were going to fly out there two and a half weeks before flights were super cheap to Denver. So we're going to have a little getaway and we're going to do another sim and practice our transitions and whatnot. But it just wasn't a good time to travel. Bailey and Johnny had just come back from somewhere out of state and they were kind of quarantining and it didn't make sense to bring people in. And we were all over the place over here. We weren't being safe or anything. So we made a mutual decision not to do it. So I did a full sim alone by myself mm. Tr- following our guidelines. So like coming in to ski erg, I did my work, paused when she would be doing her, her work and then went back to my work. But I took chances on it. I tried to work a little harder or more. And then on a couple stations, I tried to do all the work to see what would just happen if I really emptied the tank for the whole duration. And I, I I cracked, I blew up and my watch died and I like tweaked something in my quad. Sounds like a disaster. I thought I had, it turned out it was just like, I don't know. I've ran an hour the last two days and I'm fine. It was like, I don't know, seven degrees outside and I'm doing 500 pound sled pushes and stuff like that. And it is just probably not great to do, but that's, that's what happened. It was terrible. I, I, I came inside like this. I'm never... I'm never when you boil over though, in that style of workout, it's over, it's over, over sometimes like on the roads or something, if you're just running like a a smooth terrain, no broken rhythm stuff, there's sometimes you can come back, but when you crack in that style, man, you better just suck your thumb and curl up in the corner. Yeah. You'd rather learn it in the sim. That's what sims are for though. That's, that's important. Yeah. That's why I look put together today, Kirk, is because I've pulled myself together and said, good, I learned it now instead of in Chicago next weekend, because mm-hmm. that would have been terrible. But because I was I was kicking around the idea and I talked with Rich. Sorry, I talked with Rich over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why don't you just do all the burpee broad jumps? Like, yeah, you know, why don't I? And like, I so I did that in the sim and I <laughs> that that's what ended me. It's the, the, what is it? It's the fourth station. So I did all the burpee broad jumps rather than taking our little strategy we were going to do. And I was net slower than she and I switching and I was blown apart. And ironically, Hunter called me while I was warming up, but I was warming up on the spin bike and then doing some dynamic stuff. So I took the call 
And he said, <laughs> this is really getting random, but he said that his, we were talking high rocks. He had just finished his SIM mm-hmm. and called me to talk about his SIM. And I was about to do my SIM. And so we got to like hash it out over the SIMs and he had a phenomenal SIM. Yeah. But he said, my two hardest runs are sled push and then burpee broad jump. I said, really? Burpee broad jump is one of my better run out of stations. And I did burpee broad jump all the way through kind of blew up and it was my worst running station. And I was like, all right, that's what I get for being a little too cocky about my burpee broad jump. So I cracked a bad. Yeah, but you learned, you learned what you had to learn and that just gives you more confidence in your strategy moving forward. Yeah. I want to, I don't know if you can see this on my phone. Hold I on. Cannot. See if you, hold on. I'm going to see if I can okay. get it to work. No, you can't see. Okay. It's all white. Hunter McIntyre must call us in like, groupings because i got mm-hmm. one two i got four missed calls from hunter in the last three days and i yep. called him twice uh missed him and then we connected over the phone for like an hour and a half last night we just bullshit and caught up so he must uh he must when he makes his rounds he clumps us together <laughs> yeah we're, we're the same entity we're one half of the the same coin with him i know if i get a call he either just talked to you or he's about to yeah. Well, if anybody knows, I keep my phone on silent all the time. All my notifications are on silent. The only way I know you text me or call me is if I'm looking at my phone in that moment. So I miss 99% of calls because I'm just compulsive enough where like if let's say my Facebook notification dings or I get a text, I have to get to it right away. So I just abate that problem by putting it on silent and you'll get me when you get me. It saved my screen time by like two or three hours a week by just turning off my, my phone. sound. And it though? It works, but it also pisses people off when they call. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. It makes it more impressive that I feel you answer more than you don't. Probably not because that means I'm probably looking at my phone when you call. Unless we just know the times of day to get each other at this point. It's like a telepathy thing with you. That's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. So early in this workout. Oh we're, oh, we're still talking about your bombed workout. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> early in the workout, because I was trying to run it at our goal race pace. So early in the workout, I was having a hard time running slow enough, which is rarely an issue for me in a workout. But because we're trying to run the best pace for the both of us, I found that it was just very easy. And I was, I worked hard on the skier and on the sleds and I was still like, come on, throttle down. I'd run my, I had a 500 meter loop around my neighborhood. And so I do two laps of that and I'd come in and I'd be like four or five seconds ahead and I'd force myself to try to slow down. And I came off those perfect broad jumps <laughs> and I was straining to trying to hit Kelly's race pace again. It was just like, brought me right down to earth, but you're exactly right. It showed me why you stick to the plan and you test yep. out the opposite of the plan. And then either it tells you, Hey, you've got more in you or go back to the plan. You fool. You got to boil over in training to know your boiling point, especially with the yep. hybrid racing style. You have to epically blow up. And you know, what's funny about that is anytime I do a compromised like OCR workout and I boil over, or I blow up, I get one, a ton of benefit from the effort. And then, then two, I end up just nailing things thereafter. It's like, you know, you hold back by 30 seconds early and you end up making up three minutes later. It's an incredible like display of like how to use your energy. So you'll be better for yeah. it. And you, you in, in mixed workouts, compromise running workouts, you can crack worse than you can in a standard workout. 
because in a standard workout, you get in such a rhythm, just interval yep. work. You never stray so much that it punishes you terribly. And I think that's part of why it's hard to respect the race, like adrenaline and people get out too hard. But okay. if you boil over and crack in a compromise workout, I almost never then get out too hard the next race because I still have that memory of you don't want to be here. Yeah. Let's say you crack in like mile repeats. Maybe cracking means 15 seconds slower on your lap, on your next or last rep, right? That would be true cracking. That'd be true cracking. Let's say you crack on OCR mile repeats, which have strength movements in between each quarter mile. Cracking may be a minute mm -hmm. if you truly crack, which is just, I'm sure anybody listening who's done that knows. Um, we should, uh, I don't need to talk about myself. I crushed a long run this weekend. My fitness is good. Watch out world. Same sh 15. I did a cut down run. I started at 730. And I ended at 540. Um, I think my last five came there was like 1730 or 40 something. And that was all on snow. In fact, like the packed snow with no cement. So I was clicking off like in the 540s and 50s for the last four or five miles. And uh, felt like, man, if I had some dry terrain, if I had to just keep extending this out, I probably could. And it was in cold, windy conditions. And it was uh, maybe... A, Maybe a quarter of the run had dry cement, but most of it, especially the last few, is just that packed, slick snow. And I was probably losing five or 10 seconds per mile on that. So mm. pretty good. Third week back to running after my week break and uh, feeling feeling spicy. You know, guys, I am um, kind of a jerk because um, on Christmas, uh, I got an email from Running Warehouse that said Bracken Cracker gave you a gift of money to spend on a spicy pair of shoes. And and I didn't return the favor. So I've been sheepishly feeling like a piece of shit since Bracken. But with this. Gifts are not strings attached, Kurt. I know, but I just, I didn't, you know, I should have thought about it. So I feel like a dunce. But anyways, I used this, this gracious gift to buy a pair of Saucony Endorphin Pros. And I bought them immediately. But since Christmas, we have had the shittiest terrain. I don't have a dry spot to use them on. And they're just sitting there staring at me. And it's mm. driving me nuts. And so I'm waiting to crack those out and put them to the test. But patience, I guess, sir, patience. That's tough. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot bad that can happen in this world. <laughs> but one of it is having a brand new pair of shoes staring at you that you can't use. I keep having to pick the trail shoes. So thank you, Bracken. For everybody that knows I'm a jerk, I'll make up for it. Don't worry, Bracken. I know when your birthday is. It's hard to miss each other's birthdays. Yeah, a couple of days apart. Let's talk about uh, the big bomb Spartan Spartan dropped this past week about um, Spartan Age Group Series and the North American Elite Series. Um, I think it's a pretty big announcement, if I'm being honest, the trajectory of especially the North American Elite Series, given the times we are living in, um, and then the specifics of each chosen race, both in the age group and the elite front. I have, mm -hmm. I have numerous thoughts on it all. Um, oddly enough, most are, aren't like super pumped, to be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> but usually I'm an optimist, but what do you, what do you think, man? What's your knee jerk reaction to the announcement? I think this is the question of the week. We've received enough of these questions that we've got to highlight this answer. So this might be a long form answer. Are you cool with that? Well, yeah, of course this is, we, we need to chat this out. We should yeah. dig into this. Yeah. 
Oh, Kirk, I have, <laughs> I have three very concrete thoughts about this. Three very separate thoughts. Okay. But two of them are negative. And Spartan and races in general, announcements in general in the last year, specifically the last six months, have received nothing but negative feedback in crazy amounts of criticism. And I don't really feel like being the person that piles on to an already giant pile. Mm-hmm. But two of my three thoughts are very negative, and I also don't feel like I should hide them. So I, I don't know. I feel like you have to be my my mediator here. How honest do I get in this? Well, we have not discussed this between no, you and haven't. I, other than maybe a quick text or two. I forget. We had just quickly brushed over it. So I don't know your thoughts. You and Chris and I chatted for a few minutes before his episode about it. Yeah, we did, which didn't air in the episode. But why don't you just start, man? I know you're, here's the thing is you're not shooting from the hip because you, this wouldn't be a knee-jerk reaction anymore because we've known this information for three or three days or so. So I say it's thought out. Let's do it. First react. Let's just start positive. All right. You want to end on a negative note? Is that what it is? It, two negatives. <laughs> I want to at least like give Spartan a compliment before I go off the rails here. And that is... In a time of history where things are being retracted, they're expanding. Mm -hmm. And that alone is commendable. They are bringing in other countries into a series, which one of the major criticisms of the sport of OCR is that it's very U.S. centric in the United States mind and in the minds of the media. And the other countries have less opportunities and less exposure and thus less credibility in our eyes. So expanding to Mexico, expanding to Canada and bringing them into a North American series is just all positive. I'm very impressed with the guts that that decision took on that front. So I think that's very positive for the sport. It gives more athletes exposure. Uh, we'll get to the other exposure pieces <laughs> later that were claimed, mm-hmm. but the true good exposure means that the Canadian athletes and the Mexican athletes don't have to worry about travel. And that has been a huge issue. It's just uh, how many times has Angel not been able to get to a U.S. National Series race? Most of them. Or Mick or uh, Benjamin or Jesse Bruce. We have all those people up there who are just monsters and don't get to always get there. And I didn't even tell, you know, Chikorita on the female side. There are so many people that could do big things in the sport and don't have the opportunity. This gives them a solid, legitimate platform. Yeah, I agree. It was the one, uh, it was my one uh, obvious positive as well Is of course, we can talk about the timing of traveling internationally, with COVID and all of that. So obviously we, that's like an elephant in the room a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I want to pat him on the back. Sure. It's easy for us in the U S to roll our eyes. Like I understand we are very like U S centric minded and it's always been very convenient for us. So I can understand people scoffing at the fact that they have to cross international lines to go race, which means potential vaccination card. If that's not something you're into to get into Canada and et cetera. So timing is tough, but um, you know, that's just us U.S. folk getting comfortable with the U.S. schedule that caters to us. And I think a North American elite series should truly cross borders as inconvenient as it is, as much as it's going to cost me more to travel to those places. I understand that it is the right move 
to expand. And they've always thought global. They've always thought big. They've always pushed the envelope. So this is characteristic of Spartan to, to put their foot in new waters, even when they're fully maybe not ready for what they're doing. They like mm-hmm. just keep pushing forward. And so like, I do pat them on the back for that, even though it's inconvenient for me personally, and obviously for you and any other U.S. athletes. I think um, I think I got to pat them on the back. Um, let's take COVID aside, of course. Um, but yes, that's so I agree with you, point being. That's the end of my positives, unfortunately. Do you have another? I would have said the positive would be a more condensed season, but then they tack on Blue Mountain in October. So they almost gave us a condensed season from March to July, which would have been a very big thank you. Um, So I thought, oh, this is good. And then we have a two and a half month break until the last race of the year, which just is a little anticlimactic, if I'm being honest. I will pat them on the back. The one other positive is um, allowing a four out of five race series. Um, oh, yes. That's a positive. Good. Giving us a break on one. Uh, three would have been better during these times, if I'm being honest. Um, and the age group did get that. They're three out of five. Elites are four to five. So I guess I will pat them on the back for that as well. Um, we needed that bone to be thrown to us given the schedule. Good call. That three out of five age group may be the most positive yep. decision that they made. Yep. That's your targeting age group. That's the every man, the every woman. They shouldn't be required to travel like crazy all over the country to get their points in. So that that you're right, that is a good decision. Which brings me to my negatives, Kirk. And as much as I don't want to be negative. I'm just going to stick to being honest here. First is that I felt like we had a potential for a lot of kind of getting back to the grassroots movement this year, where international travel cannot be relied upon. Even air travel cannot always be relied upon. With the amount of craziness going on, it seemed really enticing and there were rumors of it that were exciting that they might start spreading the series out, hitting some of the old venues again, maybe doing one of every distance, a sprint, a super, a beast, an ultra beast, and a stadium, even add a DECA if you I love it. You know, it, it seemed like this was the opportunity to ensure everyone had a race in their region to get to that you didn't have to travel for. Make it all six distances or whatever, and then just require your best four of six or three of five. And let people get back to racing locally. And instead, we got a schedule that was released without any of those real local races established. And it went to two supers and three beasts. Mm-hmm. And three of five are at, ele- at are at altitude and four of five are legitimate mountains. So suddenly, instead of getting a very inclusive every man, every woman race series, we got the mountains, the altitude mountain series. Brutal. It's mainly West coast. It's brutal. Mexico does not count as central America, like central United States of America. It does not count as East coast. And it's South Mexico. Nonetheless. I mean, not that it really matters, but it's not close to the border for what it's worth. But it does not help Midwest and it does not help East coast. It doesn't help West either, but West already has several races. So once again, the Midwest and the East coast get nothing for the pro series. They still get age group series with Jacksonville, but that really doesn't help the Midwest at all. And it doesn't help mm-hmm. the Northeast and Canada gets one, but they're still hosed. Like this was the chance to expand the Canadian series, expand the Mexican series and expand the U S series. And instead we got kind of more of the same 
with the addition of one Canada and one Mexico. Yep. All of them reward the exact same athletes. So you're seeing one skill set, which if that's the direction Spartan's going, then you need to identify that athlete now and progress them along. But it felt like a turn in the wrong direction. I agree. Like this series needed to be announced along with, uh, we're also doing a sprint series or a stadium series or anything to complement it. Instead, it just gets farther to the far end of the spectrum and the far West coast of the continent. So it just, it felt like the obvious choice was ignored and I don't, initially I didn't understand it. Well, when you say initially then, what are you, what are you implying there? Well, then I remembered that Spartan's a business. Correct. And that we see less and less of the execs at races and that we have people running these decisions, the Watsons of the world who have no connection to the old Spartan and no real positive connection to the racers doesn't really have a good trusted relationship with any of the racers, isn't really taking feedback. And so it made me think, why would they make this? And I realized it's a cash grab. 100%. They get to sell U.S. National Series venues. Minimum starting bid is like $400,000 from a city because Spartan brings in something like $2.5 million in revenue to every city they go to with a decent sized race. Mm -hmm. So they're making six figures every time they have it. And they already sold a U.S. National Series. And they had to go back to them because some of them they didn't hit this year and they probably had multi-year deals. But now they get to also sell additional venues for their elite North American series. And they bid those babies out as well. So it was really an opportunity to make up for some money that they lost during the pandemic rather yep. than make up for some of the trust and the enjoyment that they lost during the pandemic. And because they're a company, they chose that. So yep. I can't fault them for that, except they whitewashed over the top of it with under the guise of exposure for the age group. This isn't exposure for the age group. This is exposure for additional revenue for your pockets. This does not help age group at all. Well, we, I agree with you hundred percent and we will see what sort of, let's see what Spartan comes out with for media coverage and acknowledgement of these age group series races, right? Let's see if these athletes are given what I believe they've worked hard for and recognition. So that will be TBD. I think the thing that people don't really think about when it comes to Spartan venues is that there's transactional like monetary transactions happening here. It's not like Spartan says, Hey, ski resort, will you allow us to come there and put a race on like pretty please we'll get the permits. It'll be good for your resort because people will be aware of it. Most every Spartan race, from what I understand, there's actually a financial transaction that happens in which Spartan is paid to use the venue to either create um, exposure for the venue itself or to create revenue for the municipality it's held in. So as a business model, as you said, there's actually revenue coming in from the venue sites. It's some people might even think like, oh, Spartan is paying the venue to use it when it's very much maybe there is some transaction that way. But overall, money is coming into Spartan's pockets mm -hmm. based on these venues, not vice versa. So when you think about exactly as you outlined, um, it makes a lot of sense on a business decision and they can hide it as, you know, promoting the age group, whatever. It still potentially could be good for age group, depending how they handle it. We will see. but. Yeah, it comes down to dollars, like simple, yeah. simple enough. And so you're right. And I just think a lot of people don't really recognize that when they think about how this the system works. It's how it works. And you're right. I'm I misspoke. 
it's not that this is not good for age group. That's not true. It could be good for age group. But this is the equivalent of a guy buying a girl jewelry after he cheats on her. <laughs> he doesn't buy her jewelry because he values her so much. He buys her the jewelry so that she doesn't leave him. Right? That's why it happens. If he really valued her, he wouldn't have cheated on her in the first place. Yeah. He would have bought her the jewelry before cheating. And this is what Spartan did. Spartan totally shat all over the age group this last year. I know. They got to the end of the series and you had athletes win age group. I had some athletes win their Number age group. Them. And what did they receive at the end of the year? Nothing. Nothing. They they even had to reach out to Spartan and say, hey, where's my trophy or my plaque or whatever? Is that coming for winning the age group? And what did Spartan say back? Either silence or no, that wasn't part of it this year. Yeah, we're not going to do that this year. If they even responded to them. Yeah. So last year, they didn't post age group results, which is free to them. <laughs> they own their own social media and they get to sell sponsored posts. It could have even brought them in money to post about their athletes. They didn't even say who won the overall age group at any race. They didn't recognize winners of age group. And now this year, suddenly they're saying, we value you so much that we're going to give you your own series for recognition. No, you went out and sold another series to take the elite athletes off to. And now here, you can have their hand-me-downs, but I'm going to tell you that I bought it new just for you. It doesn't matter that we had these venues booked for the elites. And now we, we pulled the rug out from underneath the venues and the athletes and moved them. We still have to have a series here to meet our contractual requirements. So guess what, guys? We cared so much about you. We got this series for you. That's exactly what they did. And they're expecting us to applaud them for age group like building up a platform form for it. There is no platform. Mm. They might make one, but it doesn't negate the fact that they're doing it as a cover-up to make up for the fact that they cheated on them rather than I value you so much. I, I planned this from day one. You make a lot of good points there. I can't argue with any of those. I just think if I'm going to add to that conversation, we'll see how many positive spins we can put on it, right? <laughs> um, try, trying in a way, and that is, regardless as to motives, right? And you can't you can't fault a company for trying to make money or make up for no. lost revenue, right? So like, whatever. And, and if you hide it in something like this, so be it if it turns out well, right? There's like a big dot, dot, dot here with everything saying, well, let's hold our breath and let's see what this recognition is going to look like, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, it, if, it, if the race weekends happen, and we see nothing different come out from Spartan, especially on the social media front, or even maybe, you know, cool enough. What if we had a, an age group video recap of some of this stuff like they do yeah. for the elites? Far stretch, yes. However, um, we could end up being like, bravo, Spartan, regardless as to your underlying motives. However, like, I'm not terribly optimistic. Jacksonville's going to get done, and the age groupers are going to feel super validated with their recognition. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I do too. They could show up big and we could be we could be here eating our words, but you know, we will find out. So yeah. point being is yes, we can we can criticize um which is rightful, but at the same time, um we just haven't seen the product yet. No. So we will find out. Here's the other frustration with that for me. And that is that if you really look at why OCR is successful. One of the reasons is because it's one giant mixer before, during, after open wave age group, elite world champions all run the same course, all do the same obstacles, 
all check in at the same tables at the same time. It's not like there's this advanced check-in that you would see at other endurance events where the pros come mm-hmm. in and have their little golf cart that drives them up to a private tent. There is none of that. The pro tent, quote unquote, is an open on three side tent that sits next to like the darn tough sock booth and yeah. all random people come in there random in a good way. Like it's this mixer. Everyone has their post-race drinks and, and bars and fit aid and whatever else together. They warm up, cool down, jog together. That's all part of the draw. And they just removed that from several of the races. Uh, Case in point, your athlete, Sean White, my athlete, Jared Price. I hate saying mine. An athlete I work with, Jared Price, an athlete you work with, Sean White. Mm -hmm. Our buddies, they're both from the same town. They work out together from time to time. And they travel to races and race together. Always. This, This year, Sean White's making the jump up to the elite wave. Jared is staying in his age group. Yep. They just lost races together. Part of their draw to even racing was a guy's trip together. And now they can't even go to the same venue to pursue their individual series. So that that like dulls the luster for a lot of these people who travel together. I have a number of athletes in that same boat. One way, I mean, husband and wives. So if I listed off the people that I've roomed with most in OCR, probably of the 10, four of them are age groupers. Yeah. So if we reset this whole thing and started from day one, how it is now, those four people, I would have lost out on all those trips together and that time together and that bonding and those shared experiences. So it feels weird to to say separate, but equal. (laughs) Like that's very easily been proven in our history. doesn't work. It's not equal. Mm -hmm. And so separating never feels inclusive and inclusivity is exactly what this sport's about. So again, I don't see this as a benefit to the age groupers because let's be honest, Kirk, if we weren't coaches and we went out to a race weekend, would we tune in to find out if a race happened somewhere else in the country to find out who won age group? Would that be our first thought if we weren't coaching? No. No. If we were at the race, would we stick around and watch awards for age group if it was already going on? 100% yes. Yeah. And now as coaches it doubles down our time. We get to see athletes in person. So it just out of sight tends to be out of mind. And I'm worried that that's going to happen to the age group. The way to grow the sport is to grow it all together, not to like put it off in different corners. Yeah. I, uh, I, I agree with you, man. I don't know what, to, I don't know what to say to that other than like, I'm just going to hold my breath now. I think you've made, you made very obvious points and we will we will find out in what six weeks eight seven yeah. weeks we'll find out what this looks like i think the thing that i want to like we we did a little bit of so when we talked to chris shipley on friday or for the friday episode we ended up chatting about like this announcement for like 10 minutes at the beginning of the episode and we cut it out mostly because you and i planned on chatting about it today in a more comprehensive manner um but um we talk about for and we should stick to the age group here continuing because they talk about $40,000 in um, mm. prizes given away, I believe, at the end of the series. So there's no non-cash, non-cash prizes during the events. I assume awards, at least, that are they're pumped about, which recognition is important. But then mm. these non-cash prizes at the end of the season, and I think $40,000 was mm-hmm. listed. Again, props for opening this up and creating something um, for the age group athletes. I think it is fantastic. And I should have applauded that. They're giving things away to age group, which 
is always a good thing. So yes, that's yeah. another positive. Spartan is giving $40,000 worth of goods or services to athletes who wouldn't have got it in the first place. So that is a right. very big positive. Yeah. See, I'm just trying to sneak in these positives here. And we need to do that. We can't be fully negative, right? Yeah. I'll just keep you balanced today, Bracken. At the same token with this, it's sort of like a shiny object dangling there that is pretty dull, actually, um, because we did some math. Should we break down some math? I think we should break down some math just so people understand how this is actually going to look for them at the end of the year. Yeah. So you take... Did we, I don't, we didn't even do exact math. We did like, how many age groups are there, right? There are 15 age group, 10 age groups to 15. I, I said 13. I think there might be more, but let's just do 40,000. You cut it in half because male and female. So now there's 20,000 per age group. I'll pull out my calculator here as we're talking. 20,000 per gender. If you divide that by 13, that's roughly 1,500 and change, right? 1,500 and change per age group. Age group. So let's say they go first, second, third gender age group per gender. So yep. the male 20 to 25 and the female 20 to 25, each will have 1500 and change to split over the top three athletes for the entire series. Assuming they award the top three athletes with prizes versus just assuming they winner. go three deep. Yep. So you're looking at something like what? Seven, five, three. Sure. 700, 500, 300 dollars worth of goods for traveling to a minimum of three races what could it look like it could look like spartan merch gift cards it could look like season pass season pass it could look like who knows it, it might not be anything physical that you receive it could be the craft shoes they could probably quote that at up to 200 dollars. correct so you're looking at 1500 bucks an age group per gender yeah. And however they split that up. Probably winning your age group doesn't net you more than eight, maybe $900 worth of goods. That'd be my guess. Which again is great. Is a really good thing for the racers. But it's not worth traveling three to five races for. Because what's a cheap weekend to travel, Kirk? A really like If you nail your budget travel, if you have to go out of state... What's about the cheapest you can get away with for a, a race weekend? 500 bucks. 500 is scraping the barrel. Good flight, room with friends, share a rental car, and you race for free because you're on the pro team. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you don't have to pay entry, $500 mm -hmm. if you scrape by. That's probably how much second place is going to get in non-cash prizes for the entire series. So again, one weekend of travel already wipes out what you've earned. So again, this isn't actually me being negative towards Spartan right now. This is just putting black and white facts, yeah. facts on, on what this looks like. So now you do three races. And realistically, if you're flying, it's probably going to be closer to 1000 for most people. It is always 1000 for me, I feel like. So it's a $3,000 buy-in to get your points. But realistically, to win a group, you want one race to throw out. Mm -hmm. So you got to travel to at least four. So $4,000 buy-in to get a maximum of $900 in prizes. We don't expect Spartan to cover everyone's costs, but that's just, to me, this more 
addresses my final rant, which is people losing their absolute minds over the idea that pro racers or elite racers might drop down to age group for the glory of winning an age group series. And I, my hope is that this little math exercise shows that it's not going to be worth anyone's time to drop down for an entire series because they haven't shown any indication they're going to do it on a, a per race basis. Mm-hmm. So no one would ever drop down to age group for the prizes. Right. And, and listen, though, like talking about prizes and age group, I don't see many of the age group athletes racing for monetary benefit at all. Right. If you're no. a good age group athlete, best case scenario, you get a few sponsors, you get some free product, maybe make a little from outside Spartan um, in services or goods, and then maybe a little bit of cash potentially. Um, but, you know, I don't think most age groupers are racing for money. They're racing to fulfill some need um, yes. or desire they have personally. So again, it's like an added bonus. However, like when you real talk, it, it's $40,000 looks big, but when you split it all up, it's not really a, a carrot anymore, as I guess what, what we're trying to get at, I think. Right. With it. So I wanted to point that out. The other thing I wanted to point out with it, and this will be my one like strong negative, and then I think we should move on to elite just for a minute, but um, unless you got more, but is just the way it was handled is tough in a sense, where if you recall this fall, Spartan um, – came out with this big announcement. It was like, drum roll, here's the first race in the U.S. National Series. Jacksonville, mm-hmm. they put out the map. Guess what's next? That'll come out in three days. Drum roll. Like, it was a big announcement for the first three races of the series, officiating that it was it was the series, right? There was no indication of anything otherwise. And, and as you know, and this is in our case because we're so last minute with our travel, you have a host of elite athletes who bought Jacksonville plane tickets, hotels, rental cars, made mm-hmm. plans because this was released as a definitive. And then you have people sitting here on these flights going like, are you kidding me, Spartan? Like this was, there was no questioning the fact that this was indeed happening for me. And then like, when you talk about people's money and traveling plans with work and family and training, that's pretty damn brutal, man. And most yeah. people are on top of their training cycles already thinking, all right, February 27th is the day or whatever it is, circle it on the calendar. And so it's just a little late. They put their foot in their mouth a little bit. And there are some people who took some financial hits because of it. Yeah. And that actually bothers me more than absolutely anything about the, the thing is just kind of toying with that, with that fact. It did impact me personally. However, um, brutal, man, like that, that shouldn't happen. That's actually immoral in my opinion. And so that's actually my one, like where I, I can't twist it to be like a glass half full, unfortunately. Well, this is the downside of fire ready aim is that from time to time, you just hit an innocent bystander. And this is what happened this year. Like it's a cool credo to kind of have and brag how tough and wild you are with yourself while things are going good. But when you get it wrong, it screws over a lot of people. And then you realize, oh yeah, there's a reason why you do things sequentially. Why you acquire a target, you aim, and then you fire is so that this nonsense, this dumpster fire doesn't happen. This whole announcement may have gone over better if they're announcing it right now that it's going to happen in 2023. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they just pulled the rug out from underneath people and then said, we're doing it for you. (laughs) I mean, no one asked for it. No one asked for you to do this for them. They asked for a schedule. You gave them three and then went dark on everyone because you realized you were going to change your mind for a race that started four months from now. Right. 
And and I've heard some criticism towards the athletes saying, well, if you need your training perfect, that you're taking it so seriously that you want your race time for February in a 10-month season. Like, well, listen, you can't have it both ways. You can't say we're putting a massive emphasis on this and we're making you legitimate athletes and then give you grief for wanting your schedule planned out. Yeah. If you want people to take it seriously, part of that is planning your entire season out and starting your off season to be ready. Being ready for a mid-February 5K race versus being ready for a March six-mile race in the mountains and then an April 13-mile race at altitude, like there are some significant differences in how you'd prepare. Yeah. I understand people's frustration with that. Yeah. I think when I really think about it, though, and maybe you'll disagree with me on this, and we don't disagree on much, but ultimately the decisions, this whole fire, ready, aim, fire, aim, ready, whatever it is. Um, ultimately, the changes that Spartan has made over the past years, I've been, I've known about the race and within the NOFA since 2016. The changes have been ultimately, I think, for the better. Mm-hmm. Like every time they've made these decisions and we hem and ho and we bitch a little bit, we always gripe, right? We love, they change the broadcast style, we bitch. They change the series, we bitch. They change, you know, we like to do that. That's what we do. I guess we got nothing better to do than, than gripe. However, ultimately, like the changes have net positive over time. So my hope is that will be the case. Again, trying to be optimistic, right? Mm-hmm. That this will end up being better. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you think some of these changes have been for the worse. Overall, for the overall general population, which this should be about. I told the start line in in Florida, and there were 14 elite men in the beast, and there were hundreds and hundreds of age groupers, correct? We are such a small segment study. So point being is let's just let's just hope. Let's just believe in the best and wait and see. Other than I have no real gripes other than them bait and switching on that first race yeah. of the and you're right, but I also disagree at the same time. I know you would. I just don't know on what points, like what specifics. I disagree on the net gain for the sport. Oh, okay. Because there are, in my mind, there's clear separation. There's dichotomy between Spartan the business and Spartan the sport. I think Spartan the business has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Like the experience for the general admission walking through the door to the time you leave is night and day better than it used to be. However, the sport has not progressed. The obstacles have not progressed. The terrain has tamed. The distances have tamed a bit, which could be seen as a good thing. The variety of race styles used in the series has tamed. The sport coverage has gotten worse. We accept it because there's nothing better out there because we're a niche small sport. But going from NBC to ESPN to a self-supported stream with live stream with rabbits going to a four to two week tape delay with Mm -hmm. bad voiceover, bad Intel and pretty good footage is not a positive progression of the sport. There's just nothing else out there to frame our point of reference unless Mm -hmm. you watched it or were part of the whole thing. So I think it's been great for the brand, their growth for the everyday athlete, but they still make, I think the mistake of saying we are about progressing the sport and getting into the Olympics and the elite and the age group athletes drive the way, but their experience is getting worse and is getting watered down. So it's like, again, you can't have both. You're either all about the sport and you actually have to invest in it. And I think the biggest thing here is use people who are currently in the sport 
as advisors and listen to them rather than drive them all away. This, all of this is an end result of pushing away the people who have been their supporters the whole time. Sure. The everyday athlete still gets a better and better experience and the higher end athletes still get shat on because they're not being listened to in any capacity. So I think it depends. I agree with you if we're talking about the open and I disagree if we're talking about the general sport itself. I'll accept your disagreement. And I think, you know, you've been, you've been here so long that you've seen a bigger progression than I have. Cause I sort of came in when new age Spartan had just begun. You know what I mean? Standardization. So I don't have a big comparative. I did find it interesting though. And I thought this was chuckle worthy. I was, when I was chatting with Hunter yesterday, um, he's Hunter is planning to go to San Luis Obispo for the opener. He's planning on racing that West mm-hmm. coast mountain race, right. Which will be fun to see him back in the mix, but we were talking about who's going to be there. And he's like, Jesus, man, like you look around, it's the same freaking dudes that we were talking about five years ago. Like, where is the new, like, yes, we have occasional new people hopping into the fray, but like we look around in a lead anyways. And it's like, I don't, we get one or two here and there. And the yeah. women's side has been better lately um, about new faces springing into the mix. But he's like, I'm listing off all the same people I would have listed off five years ago if I hopped into the race. Yeah. And I found that kind of astounding, which is true. And I don't know how we can grow. We can grow that top end elite um, field. And there's a barrier to entry now with having to qualify and all of that, as far as like newbies getting in. But it was just a side note that like you look back and I started to think about it and I was like, holy crap, the contenders three years ago, still the same names in the fray. How, how and why did that happen? Kind of wild to me. Yeah. I don't know if we're looking for answers, but I would say that in terms of opportunities for athletes, it peaked in 2015, 2016. Sponsors were paying more per athlete at that point, and athletes were making more per athlete on a deep basis from contracts in the sport. I think to lure people, it used to, my brother and I used to always say, this is crazy. I could go be a 215 marathoner and make a fraction of what I make here. Yeah. I could go be an Olympic 10K runner and make a, I could be a 2730 10K runner and make half of what I make in OCR. 100%. Because 2730 is a dime a dozen at the world level and you have to be world level to have any chance of making actual money. Where for 2014, 2015, 16, you could fly out any weekend and make two to $4,000 at races, plus get a five to $25,000 signing bonus, plus get five to $2,500 appearance fee at every race you go to. Suddenly, without even winning races, you're pulling in twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year. The top people, fifty to sixty, without even podium. Then you double that on podium, and then you have some sponsors. This these days, the top end's the same. You still have the top two to five people in the sport making six figures. Eh, the top two people in the sport making six figures, and they're married to each other. <laughs> Three to five make high five figures, and the rest all have jobs because you can't make a living without legitimate contracts. So I think you can't grow and bring new blood in that stays unless they're really young and hungry or making actual money. Listen, I don't mind talking money about, I think people are curious about this. Like I am, I am openly have been a B tier elite athlete for the last how many years I've never made a podium in a national series. I've finished between fourth and 10th, 10 times, right? Mm -hmm. I've never cracked. I'm, I'm a classic B tier elite athlete, which of course I plan to change, but There is still like that, even that, let's say who I am consistently like a top 10 guy in the U S national series. I'll straight up tell you, what have I made through Spartan last year? I made $10,000 through, through Spartan 
contracted partnerships between Gone Rogue and A-Shock, right? I am happy with that considering I have a full-time job. I race for free and I get products that I care about through VJ Shoes, um, Endurolate, things like that, that are super helpful. But me who devotes traveling to, you know, at best, so $10,000, it's $5,000 a contract. I'm a consistent five to 10 guy who is, I think, good for the sport between the podcast, between showing up to races. I think you and I are both positive influencers who have as much or more than even some of the top end elites who beat me consistently, correct? And I'm making $10,000 on it when I support the company. So, so point being like, when you take all my travel, I think I raced seven times this past year or eight times. I travel, some race winning, but when you show up to the big races and you don't finish high, you make a few hundred bucks. I've broken even on the year, basically, roughly, mm-hmm. and being lucky enough to have those two contracts. The point being, like, I can't, I can't live on scraps. I am very grateful for these contracts. They allow me to basically race for free, which is fantastic. But there's no way to make a living in the sport unless you are big, big, big time winning those big races and then, and then getting those big contracts. So just outlining like a guy like me, where I stand in the sport, um, it's a good place to stand, but it's not a career. Well, it wouldn't entice someone in because right now, if you look at the top of the sport, at most races, the top few spots are spoken for. So to say, come into the sport, I can guarantee in your first year, you're going to be between fifth and 10th at every big race. Like you were what, 11th at Worlds? Yep. So U.S. National Series, international races, world championships, you're going to come in and be 5th through 10th, somewhere in there. I was 6th in the U.S. National Series that year, overall. You're gonna, So you're going to be the 6th best in America, according to the ranking system. You'll be 11th best in the world. And for the year, we're going to guarantee you break even on your expenses. Like, that just isn't enough to entice someone in. Because, A, the running world doesn't take OCR super seriously, or at all seriously. And there you can break even in the roads for, for that. You know, you wouldn't have, I mean, realistically, you could go make a couple hundred bucks on the roads with no costs. Yeah. So if it was purely a dollar and cents, it just wouldn't be enticing. And it's very difficult to be better than you are. Like, is it possible to be better and more successful than you? Yes. But if you were the sixth ranked person, only five people did manage to be better throughout the course of the year. And so the odds of being better than you are just not super high. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, again, I think that's why new blood's not being injected is because the people who are entrenched already have their contracts, already have their shtick figured out with how they make their living. And a lot of them don't need it anymore. Right. The people that come in and might need it, you have to be winning big races or you're not going to make it. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about, about where my no, position is. No, it's realistic. Is. Oh, I'm just saying because I posed the question about new like people with a with a pedigree coming in and trying to actually make a good run at this. Yes, it's possible to make a real living, but um, like I'm very very grateful for what I have. I'm like, to race for free to do something I pay to do anyways. Like mm-hmm. I am very lucky, right? Like I am I am so damn blessed for this. But looking outside in, I get it, right? You could go race your local road races and be decent and pay a thirty dollar entry, win five hundred bucks, and net positive. Now, granted. We travel to cool places. We get cool experiences. We bond with our friends. The, the positives far outweigh the, the costs or, be, or negatives. But I just thought it was worth bringing up. And, and yeah. I think I'm one of the, the B-tier athletes who actually have it pretty damn good considering my financial contracts. For sure. Yeah, we, we're not complaining about what we get. We're just showing that it's not enticing enough <laughs> to bring 
a stud in very often. They tried in the past. They tried. So so let's just pivot real quick to and this is our episode today. So let's pivot real quick to um to the elite side of things. I know, you know, we we spoke about Can I hurt some feelings first? I would love are they mine? No. No, it's it's actually our core audience, unfortunately. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> oh offend boy. some people with this. But there've been like a an absolute outpouring of people losing their minds over the fact that top end racers might be coming down into their age group. And they're really worried that the worst part of all of this, they're ignoring the bad business practice and where the trajectory for the sport, and they're saying I might lose my podium spot and my notoriety because someone might come down and steal my spot who doesn't belong here. Not going to happen. I just think that that's a bad attitude for us to have. First of all, we've proved that uh, for $900 of non-cash prizes over the course of three to five races, no truly high-end elite or pro athlete is going to come down for that. Right. Second of all, there's still an elite race at all the age group national series events. And it's probably still going to pay out 500 for first. So yeah. it still doesn't make any sense for these guys to come down. But now that some of these races are separated, those guys will drop out of maybe the other race and come down to the Florida elite race to try right. to steal a podium there. They're not going to drop down to your age group. And if they are dropping down, it won't be for the prizes unless they really need shoes or a season pass or the notoriety of winning the age group. And realistically, if they're doing that, they were the back end of the elite field anyway. Correct. They were already the tweeners who probably should have been running age group, but were going up to challenge themselves, which means they're one of you. And that, it, <laughs> that this is the, the hurt feelings part. That just means that if you were winning and they come down and take it, it means you were the best of who was doing it. Yep not the best. If someone can come in and take your spot, that's not on the rules. It really isn't. And I know there's going to be some pushback, maybe more against that than anything else I've said in the last few months. But the only people who will come down for the glory are the people who aren't getting it at the elite stage, Yep. which means they maybe shouldn't have been elite to start with. And maybe you didn't belong on the podium in the first place yet. It's going to give you higher higher competition to work with if they come down and that rising tide raises all ships. So I think it's a positive. Let's look at who are the best age group guy. I mean, right away you look at Colderosa. Yep. Colderosa is already given a free pass to flip between elite and age group. He makes elite podiums and then he comes down and does age group. You're not going to have anyone better than Cole coming back down to age group because Cole's already beating all the tweeners. Yeah. Cole's always top 10 in races and he's made podiums. So if we're okay with Cole doing it, anyone that's worse than Cole has carte blanche to come down. 100%. And if they're worse than Cole, maybe they could be age group anyway, since Cole already is age group. And then maybe they belonged on the podium in the first place. So I'm open to kind messages coming in about that or even <laughs> frustrated. But uh, I also hope that you're open to the idea that maybe winning age group because they're not there isn't the full win. I think you got to want to beat the best. And that doesn't just mean elite. It means beating the best in your age group. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that really happening uh, if at all. And if anything, I see the inverse of that happening. The insecurity of it is what rankles me. Mm. But you agree, right? Like you're probably, there's a good chance more age groupers will go to elite on most race weekends. Yeah. Um, 
considered the race weekends, which are separate from the North American Elite Series. So I see the opposite of that happening. Do you know, can you think of anyone, and we don't have to say names, that would look at this announcement, any of the people we know that would run Elite or Pro and and think that, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to move down and get some glory. Can you actually think of anybody who would do that? Zero. I, nobody just pops into my mind. You? Again, it's only the people that are already doing it. Already doing Nicole, it. Cole, the Ireland, uh, John Clark, people that are in the older age groups that flip between both worlds already. Yep. I can't see anyone better than them doing it because those guys would never live it down. Correct. And the guys who aren't as good as them don't necessarily have any say in the elite race yet anyway. So they're age groupers. And we all, we all saw how well that went over uh, when Robert Killian jumped into an age group <laughs> wave. Nobody wants to deal with that at all. No one does. He's the yeah. world champion. He didn't get benefit of the doubt. And he didn't do it for the glory. And he's never going to do it again. Yeah. Like, and they're all using him as the example. Even some pros, oh, we've, we, we saw an example of that this year. Well, no, we didn't. That's non sequitur. That He went to get an extra workout in and he stood on the podium, which he shouldn't have. Right. But he didn't do it for a prize. He did it because in his mind, if you put in the work, it's disrespectful to the rest of the age group not to stand on your accomplishment and stand on yep. the podium. But he wouldn't have accepted prize money for that, even if they had prize money. So no. I, I think that that example is the biggest one-off we've ever seen. The only thing he could have done better is went up, went up to the results tent at the end or whoever the official then like. Yeah, DQ. You'd been like, I missed the bell. I would have lied. Could have lied about it. Then like, just take me out. I effed up something. But that yeah. would have been the only way it could have been handled. So no, I think it's a non-issue. But I think that it's a lot of people complaining, showing insecurities. And I think that maybe that's the biggest takeaway here is if you're truly yeah. feeling insecure about your place in age group, you better get to work and earn that place because maybe it's not rightfully yours yet. Earn that. Now, Again, we don't need to spend a lot of time on a leap, but something interesting, and I don't know if Hunter misspoke. Again, maybe you guys talked about – you and Hunter probably had the same conversation me and Hunter had. I don't know. We actually only talked high rocks. Oh, we talked everything but basically. And supplements. We talked dating. We like to talk about women, so Hunter and I, we always talk about the ladies. I don't know if you okay. get that, but he we sort out his relationship situation. It's always fun to talk to him about that. He's always got fun insights, and then uh, then we talk about fitness, and he always you know, usually makes fun of me and – Tries to coerce me out to the mountains. He's, uh, by the way, he's Hunter McIntyre's coming up to run Grandma's Marathon in Duluth, Minnesota. So is David Makita, from what I heard. And that's a June race. I talked about doing the marathon. I'm thinking that I might have to circle Grandma's, which is um, where I believe Nell Rojas went and won the women's side. It's mm -hmm. a good flat marathon. I think it's a point to point where they, they bus you up and then you run along the, the coast of Lake Superior. So I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking of pulling the trigger on that. We'll see, but I fully support that. It's the first thing I thought when he said grandma's. I just want to go bury his booty. He said a goal was sub two forty, and my goal is sub two thirty, and I'm like, not a chance, Hunter. You're going to get smoked, baby. I'm crushing you. I like it. Yeah. Anyways, we were talking to Hunter, and he mentioned that he had heard, and maybe I'm just behind the times here, that there's no prize money for regular season elite races in 2022. Is that correct? Because if it is, I thought I would have heard an uprising. They certainly didn't announce it, if that's true. Because that changes a ton. That would be a deal breaker for me ever traveling to a race. That's what I'm saying. Because it's always like I can go get a great workout, see my buddies, but at the very least, I'm going to cover the travel. So I'm I'm fine with that. Like driving out to a race or getting a cheap flight. 
if there's nothing on the line, that 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 means that I would just stick to drivable races. Right. And so I don't know if he's blowing smoke or talking out of his ass or he has some inside sources, but he sounded fairly convinced. You should he, know. He, he said, I was disappointed because I thought, okay, if they're taking away prize money from elite races and there's, we did math too, roughly 75 elite races in the U S or more per year, we're saving what's goes five to one. That's 700 bucks. That's 1400 bucks a race between men and women times 75 races. You're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars saved he thought they would go more into the prize money for the u.s elite series or the, Nat, the north american elite series and maybe some money for age you said 1400 times 75 we're just approximating hundred and five thousand dollars. Hundred and five grand that would free up so he was saying how he was disappointed to see that the cash prizes for the elite series was not more than it would be because they have all this extra cash to play around with now now I haven't heard this for sure. We're probably just, I don't know. We're just gossip. We're Karens today. And I think we've become Karens. I, I don't know the real, the real stats. And if you're named Karen out there, I got an aunt named Karen. She's great. No offense. What do you think? I think that if it's true, it's, is that the death knell for the sport? It would be a huge problem. You take away prize money. That might be it. Especially because even if it's not true, the prize money three, two, one is the exact same that the 2013 Navy federal prize <laughs> Was I think three, two, one at the major races, two thousand, one thousand, seven fifty at the smaller series races. So in eight years, the prize money has not increased, but might be decreasing. It's just not again not a positive sign. It it it's it doesn't bode well for the future. So this is turning into an inherently negative take on everything, and I do apologize for that because. It makes my line that I always use, which is at the end of the day, I'm still a Spartan supporter. It makes it start to ring hollow, but I am still a Spartan and an OCR supporter. Like the life I'm living right now would not have happened without Spartan. The things I've been able to do, the travel, the people I've met, the opportunities, uh, all of it stems stems from going to a race in 2011 in Marseilles, Illinois. It's just like that, that set things in motion that are happening today. And it was all because of Spartan. So I still, at the end of the day, am a Spartan proponent, but I also believe in holding people accountable. And I think that they have some, some very poor decisions that are being made. And I hope that this year proves me wrong because I want it to continue. But man, if that's true, that is a harsh reality. Listen, I could just be banking up stuff, but that was just per our conversation. That would be a big problem for me. Listen, I'm lucky enough that my, and most of you listening are lucky enough for like, my financial stability doesn't depend on winning money at races. I do this to fill something in me that doesn't require money. So like, would I still probably go to races? Yep. Because most of the time I go to these U.S. national series and make pennies anyways. So like, will I probably go? Yes. But would it be a huge hindrance as far as going to like non-series races or things that don't matter? Be a huge, be a huge hindrance. Um, but I'm, I'm a Spartan supporter through and through. It's the reason we have this podcast. The reason it brought you and I together. Yeah. I still love their races. I love how gritty they are, even though they've been softened a little bit. Like I'm a big fan, but you know, sometimes you just got to gossip back and it's good for you. I feel better. I feel good about it. <laughs> I was feeling better until you said that they might take all the elite prize money away, which I know is a very elitist mentality to have that if there's no prize money, I'm not showing up. But I guess that's a little bit dramatic for me, but it's more of the the optics that doesn't speak to thriving business and thriving sport. Right. Saying, you know what? We can't, 
afford or offer is $500 to first place at our multi, multi, multi-million dollar corporation. Like that is difficult to look at and see. Somebody, if you, if you're in the know, like people always ask me by the way, and they ask you too, like, you guys know anything about X or do you know what's happening with Y or what, what about Z? We don't know anything before you guys do really anymore. We used to, I feel like get internal messages, even Bracken, I know you're not on the pro team because you chose not to. I am. There's no internal messages going on, at least amongst people in my level that are being filled in. So even that email you guys all got most recently from Steve Hammond. Well, that just, I didn't even get that. Oh, you didn't. And all that email from Steve Hammond said was, okay, just so you can prepare the first race will be March, whatever, 13th, prepare for that. And we'll announce everything else to the public on January 6th. So we didn't get anything other than a heads up. Yeah, I'm cut off, cut off. You are cut off. But I mean, it's because I'm saying things like this and I get that. I understand it. Yeah. The difference is that from 2011 to 2016, I was saying these things in meetings. Right. And now I'm saying them (laughs) on a podcast. More people are listening now, though, than that small room. There was a time, there was a time where it was very internally sourced. And I don't think we have to go back to that, but I still think that this is salvageable. I agree. Let's just, anything else about the North American Elite Series? I think you stated the obvious. I think the problem with it, I think the pat on the back is they're broadening the horizons. You see in big trail races, you see in other sports, people cross international borders all the time. Oh, sweet. The world trail race is in X country this year. Like, no problem. People don't bitch about traveling abroad for races in most any other circumstance. It's just that we got sort of, comfortable with them all being in the u.s and now we just want our cake and eat it too so like that i don't have a problem with it the problem is like let's say you're you're anti-vax and you really like to race that's your own created problem but you're not going to go to canada and race blue mountain for example i think that's that's tough we have our own personal biases i live at 863 feet above sea level half of these races are breaching 9,000 feet more than half more than half there's no way the one in mexico the mexican race those mountains go over 10,000 feet, don't they? It's going to start at like 8,000. Yeah. So like point being is like, I cannot perform my best at those races unless I'm altitude acclimated. Like it's hands, it's, it's impossible. And so then you look for most people who don't live at elevation, you look at San Luis Obispo mountain race, you look at blue mountain in Canada, which is a mountain race at not elevation then all the rest in the middle are. So what are your options if you have to race for, but you're not acclimated, it just turns into a little poor me conversation. But I think a lot of people are feeling that I can't like, will I still go and make it or give it a run? Probably. But I think the the tough thing is like crossing a border. The vaccination issue is going to cut out a few people, probably cause a little bit of controversy. And then who knows? Yeah. Stuff could get shut down again. And then Spartans made a terrible business decision, which we're heading that direction. So like the safe bet would have been to hold off another year or two, to be honest. And they didn't. And so that's the only thing I can see being pro- all those problems. But like, who knows? It might turn out all right. Well, what happens then? is that Mexico and Canada get screwed and the U.S. gets rewarded because then they'll just transfer the, that that elite race onto the U.S. National Series weekend as well. Yep. So, I don't know. I guess I remain guardedly pessimistic or cautiously optimistic. I still think it's a fantastic sport. I think it can work. Um, but what this announcement did for me, Kirk, my silver lining on all this is that it was clarifying in what this year was now for me, which is this is the year of me. Yeah. My race schedule is now entirely dictated 
by the races I want to do and the races I think I'll do well at. Because the series is so far from both of those that it doesn't even make sense. I won't even think about it. Like that's off the table. Now it's mm-hmm. just create a schedule of training and racing that excites me and suits me. And I think that's going to put a lot of people, they're either all in on that U.S. National Age Group Series because it's a cool opportunity for these people to go do this. Yeah. Or it's just, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to do whatever I feel like this year without any self-imposed outside pressure, which is what this sport is. It's self-imposed outside pressure. You feel yeah. like, oh, I have to get to these races. You don't. Not anymore. There's no contracts that stipulate that. There's no appearance fees for dozens of athletes. It's if you want to go, go. If you don't, don't. And I think that's cool. Yep. I'm in the same boat. I got one toe in the water of like, you know what? Let's chase trail races and the marathon and hop in the Spartan races that excite me and suit me. And the other toe is in the, let's just go all in in the series. I have a, a little bit of a plan in mind, which would be go race slow, go race Blue Mountain. And then before Utah, take a two week vacation and go acclimate slightly, take my one vacation for the year, try to get a third on and then cross my fingers for a big bear um, or a Mexican race to go well, which sounds crazy. But like I enjoy trips to the mountains and I enjoy camping. And so if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right and try to give a good stab at a mountain race at elevation by me. Give me two weeks to somewhat get my bearings or throw my hands in the air and say, you know what? It's about me this year too. And I'm going to go keep doing what I want to do. I think there's a lot of people in that boat, especially in the elite side. Yeah. I don't think we're, I don't do not think we're alone there, but, but like, look at like a VJ Jones. Okay. Mm. So who now has to race for who's self-admittedly taken this slow and isn't quite prepared for the beast distance yet. And I'm sure he could go and do very, very, very well. Right. But I take a guy like him who's the U S national series champ and you throw three of the five beast races. Yes. He lives at elevation now, but like think of a guy like him. What do you think he's mm-hmm. going to do? There's a lot of people in that boat. Yeah, it's very strange. It, it, yeah. It's a strange time for many reasons. But at the same time, these are generally the opportunities where people find themselves or like become diamonds in the rough. So something big will come out of it. Yeah. I, my question for you is, is this the end of Tahoe? Is there no longer a regional championship? Is it the end of West Virginia? Is there a North American championship? I have no idea. No like, did, did, did we just lose West Virginia and Tahoe all at once? I sure hope we didn't lose West Virginia anyways. It's just strange. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, but they haven't announced. They, they were late announcing those last year. Maybe they'll be late announcing those this year too. We'll find out. But anything else to the elite side, North American elite side? I can't think of any. No. <laughs> Have we ever, I mean, my glass is typically half full and it still is. And I'm a Spartan to the day I die. I love, I love what they've done for me. But have we ever just griped for an hour ever? I don't know. It feels weird. It feels weird. I feel like it's we're like obstacle racing media or something. I almost, <laughs> I almost don't <laughs> want to release it, but we're just going to keep getting the questions from people of what is our reaction to this. So, I mean, as well know. we've walked the line of taking sort of hot takes on thing ongoings in sport, right? And we've chosen to like walk the line of like let's let's stay politically correct and let's like steer away from anything that might get people upset with us. And we did at one point talk about the Robert Killian situation for yeah. like a 15 minute rant and it got us in trouble. We got some pretty negative feedback from some people about our take on it. And we decided like, Ooh, we put our tail between our legs a little bit. And we said, maybe we just back off from that. So, but also some people are like, thank you for discussing real time topics because we often stray from, we try to not, not do that. So I'm curious, yeah. curious if this people are going to want more of this or less of it, but it is what it is. I think everyone should know two things. The first is that I left my job for this. 
we sold our home. I left my teaching job. We moved to Colorado. I went all in on this lifestyle. And so I'm truly passionate about it. And we talked about what my longest relationship before Lisa was a month or two. And she and I are on a decade of marriage now going into our 11th year. Well, Spartan is my longest job now or OCR, whatever this is that I'm doing, racing, coaching, speaking, commentating. This venue has been my second longest relationship. I did my first race. It was the first race. My Spartan race was the first any sort of competition I did with a wedding ring on. Mm. So the, the significance is that it's been with me as long as my marriage to Lisa has been. And so that's why I, that's why I care. And so even if you don't understand why I'm spending so much or why we're spending so much time talking about this, just know that I've put 11 years of my life into this venue and it matters to me. And then the second thing to understand is that I'm not saying I'm right, just that I'm passionate and that I have 11 years of foresight and hindsight Mm -hmm. to use in this. And this is how I, this is how I evaluate what I see. And this is like, this is just my regurgitation of, of all the information I'm taking in. So I'm not saying you're wrong if you don't agree with me. And I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm just saying I'm immensely passionate about this sport and it pains me when I see things go awry and I feel they're going awry. But the key there is I feel, not I know. So take that into consideration when you hear all the things we say. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, I hate to say this and I know some elites will disagree with me for sure, but we deserve nothing. Meaning Spartan owes us absolutely nothing unless things have been promised to us and then not given, correct? Then maybe they owe you something. There's a few cases of that. Spartan owes you listening nothing. They owe me nothing. They owe Bracken absolutely nothing. They owe nobody anything. It's up to us. We still somehow keep coming back, right? Because we love the sport. And it's a privileged situation to bitch about things. And we understand that. And heck, this is a podcast in which things like this need to be discussed, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it goes. So at the end of the day, we're all just lucky to have it. We know that. We acknowledge that, right? And it's fun to bullshit once in a while, Bracken. It is. It is. little break in form for us today. Well, Kirk, this is one that I'll send out and I'll just kind of grimace and brace for the messages to come in. That's all right. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate the messages. Shall we? We shall. Oh, I do have an exciting update, by the way. And that is, I got a new microphone coming back and and you're not going to be the only one sounding good on this podcast coming up. When does it arrive? Wednesday is what it says. So, Well, I have a pair of Skechers arriving tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you. That's all I can math. Uh, The Razor XS. Oh, nice. Okay. And then I got Lisa a pair of the XS and the Max Road 5s. She's dealing with some lower leg stuff, and I just want to get her into some different shoes each day. Shift it up a little bit. Yep, smart. Well, congrats. I'm excited to hear your mic. Hopefully I'm sounding smooth and sultry again after my mic just went uncompatible with my Mac, which has been a frustration. Yeah, what you pay for? Apparently. Thanks for listening, folks. See you soon. Mm-hmm.